1: We are excited to have Wanda Jackson, Queen of Rockabilly, in the Diddy TV studio today. We're here to talk about her life and also her new book, which is Every Night is a Saturday Night, A Country Girl's Road to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, welcome, Wanda.
2: Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Appreciate uh, you inviting me.
1: So how did you get started? Uh, You were young when you got your
2: first guitar, right? (laughs) Yeah, six years old. (laughs) I I don't think my hand could reach around the neck, really, but my daddy uh, put a guitar in my hands. My mother said uh, Wanda was never the same after the guitar came into her life. (laughs) Was it a full-size guitar? Oh, it was a child. Yeah. Probably got it at Sears and Roebuck, you know. And, um, I, but I learned to play on it. And he was a musician, and he sang and played uh, fiddle and guitar. After I could finally make a few chords, well, every night, you know, back in the years where you didn't have television, <laughs> you had to make your own entertainment. Well, Daddy would play the fiddle and and maybe sing, and then I'd try to accompany him. So that was my introduction. So were you ever, you played with
1: your father. Did you ever write any music with your father?
2: Later. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't write with him, but he would give me an idea, and uh, then I'd take it.
1: Isn't it great to have that connection with a parent?
2: It was, it was, because... uh, Yeah, we were very close because of our love of music. And uh, then later when I began touring, he traveled with me for the first uh, six years. And then after I married, uh, Wendell, my husband, uh, kind of stepped into that role, you know.
1: Traveling with you. Mm -hmm. So you were in high school when you really got started uh, with an actual band. Tell us a little bit about how you got started um, and how you were discovered.
2: I began actually singing for other people (laughs) um, on radio, and there was a program on called um, Cousin Jay's Country Hour or something back when radio had news and preaching and weather and news and uh, pop music and gospel music. They just did it all, you know.
3: Now the weather. Temperature at 8 o'clock, 68 degrees. Humidity, 82 percent. The expected high today, around 80. The forecast, showers this morning, clearing later in the day.
2: It was during that time this one man had uh, um, an hour So he'd play country music for 45 minutes, and he dedicated the last 15 to local talent. So you'd go up and try out, and if if you could carry a tune, you know, you could get on. Well, um, I knew about the show, but I didn't ever think about going. But my friends uh, that I went to church with and went to school with, they just— dared me and dared me, you know, go up there and try out, you can take your guitar. So I did. And I, I got on. So that was my first little break into music, you know, for, for other people.
1: Isn't it amazing how back in the 1950s, you could actually know a DJ and the DJ could sort of break your music on radio. You don't really have that
2: so much anymore. No, you've got somebody higher up telling you what you can play. I right think. now, more. I think that's the way it goes.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah, because then a then a DJ could just if they liked you and they liked your music, they would just play it.
2: Right. Yeah. If you took a record in, they played it for you, and you did a little interview. We'd just stop along the way. My daddy'd say, "Oh, there's the station." we'd run in this is Wanda would you like to talk to her oh yeah yeah so that was our uh, social media <laughs> that was about all we had that in the newspaper <laughs> so once you were on the radio show you um
1: there was a you were in a band right you, you sort of joined a band when you were in um high school I think it was Hank Thompson or
2: well I didn't tour with him okay because I was in school but um Yeah, I worked with, uh, Hank heard me sing on that little 15-minute. Well, actually, I finally got my own program, and he heard that, and uh, he was my very favorite singer. I turned your whole card upside down I caught you
3: cheating and running around There's a smile upon
2: your face one another takes my place and now at last, dear, the truth I laugh So uh, when he called, I nearly fainted, you know, but he asked, uh, "Could I would I like to come sing Saturday night with his band?" And I said, "Well, I'd love to, Mr. Thompson, but I'll have to ask my mother. <laughs> he said, "Well, girl, how old are you?" I said, I'm 14. He said, oh my goodness, and he laughed. But um, yeah, we all went up there and uh, I started singing with him when he was in Oklahoma City, which uh, he lived there then. So, you know, probably every three or four months he would work the Trianon Ballroom. And then a little bit later, somewhere in there, I can't really figure it out, but I worked with another local band uh, in Oklahoma City, Merle Lindsay and the Oklahoma Night Riders. <laughs> and so he did a, a radio show from uh, a dance place um, every Saturday. And finally, when I started working with him, I found out I couldn't go to the ball games at school because I'd yell, you know, and my voice would be gone the next day I couldn't sing so So I gave up going to the ball games but uh, yeah I sang with both of those
1: bands So what was it about working with such great artists at an early
2: age what did you learn from them? You practically learn everything you know you know when you go back from the people uh, like Hank Thompson working with him I could Pick his brain and I could watch him. The same with Elvis. And then also with my uh, producer, I learned about recording, do's and don'ts. And I've been recording now, Amy, for uh, 64 years, I think. Been touring for 62. Wow. Yeah, I still tour today.
4: My mind is
2: Thompson used to say something about our jobs. He said, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Well, so. and you and I were just
1: having a little discussion back in the green room, and and we were talking about the fact that a lot of artists today, they don't really have to work to get where they, they are as, as much as the, the, um, the group of artists that back in the 1950s and even the 60s, where you had to pay a lot of dues to get to the next level.
2: Right. You have to come up through the ranks. Uh, You start off, you know, at a bar, maybe, if they have a spot for you. And then you go to a little larger bar, a dance hall, and so forth. But through all of that, you learn uh, how to work a microphone. And sometimes they're horrible sounds. Um, And you learn how to deal with people because uh, they can get pretty rowdy or touchy and pushy. So you learn to handle that. And uh, the young artists that don't have that um, ability, you know, I feel sorry for it because they aren't really harnessing in, you know, all that they should be. I'm always hoping they can keep going and they'll eventually learn to really entertain people where you can stand on a stage with a guitar or or with tracks or something and actually entertain people when it's just you.
1: But it is kind of funny. Today you can sort of start off right out of the
2: gate famous. stars. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't say you really feel sorry for them. After all, they're... (laughs) they're who they are but and they have talent they have to or they wouldn't have made it that big right but uh, I just think I'd like to see them now in about 15 years see if they've become an entertainer or not (laughs) right
1: and there is there is a difference between an entertainer and and just a a singer Mm -hmm. right Um, big difference big difference and I think people who've had that experience where they've had to you know, fall flat in front of an audience occasionally. You oh, i that.
2: <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> I've tripped over fiddle wires. <laughs> I backed bet. up too far and hit the drum stand and nearly fall. And on a, on a show not too long ago, I made some gesture like I was drowning and leaned over and I just fell,
1: <laughs> you know.
2: So yeah, we, we have to I do fell that.
1: off the front of the stage here one time. I backed up and then That's fell backwards. It. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you don't realize there's no rails there. No, there's a
1: lot on the stage, right? <laughs> yeah. When you got this sort of break and you went on a tour, it was the Ozark Jubilee. Uh, Ozark Jubilee. So what was how did you get yeah. hooked up with that and what was that
2: all about? Well the Ozark Jubilee was the first um country um, music show on network television. Again,
3: friends, with a big Saturday night hello from the crossroads of country music, it's time for the Ozark Jubilee starring America's favorite country gentleman, Red Foley.
2: And they were out of Springfield, Missouri, which is about 300 miles from my home. And, it, you know, you could drive there in one evening or afternoon so um, we heard about it I, I don't really know how I got on it the first time I can't remember
3: yes sir. Oklahoma City where they've raised one of the most promising new little girl voices in country music that we've had the pleasure of meeting in a long time and for the first time on coast to coast television we'd like to have you folks meet and welcome Miss Wanda Jackson right here you can have my love. You've got the clothes and everything to make you look just like the
2: A popular show because it was the first. And about the same period of time, the Grand Ole Opry had asked me, Would I like to join, be a, a member of the Grand Ole Opry? Well, I, you know, of course, growing up, I'd listened to that all my life, and that was such a, a compliment. I think TV is the way the people's going to go. Right. And of course, not knowing. Grand Ole Opry would still be around all these years later, but uh, I made the right choice for me and I decided I would stay there. And uh, because I'm a Westerner and it just kind of fit my style better. So, what
1: was the difference between the music where you were playing in Oklahoma and say that the, in Nashville at that time? Was there a different sound to it?
2: Well, the bands I w- worked with. As I said, with Hank Thompson's, he had the number one Western swing band in the nation for, I don't know, ten or something years. So And I was singing with them trumpet and uh, all the instruments, two steels, two electric guitars, drums, the whole works. And I go to the Grand Ole Opry. And it's nothing, there's no drums even. <laughs> so, so that seems kind of strange, right, from where you're from. From the, from the get-go, yeah. And I don't know if you've heard my story about my way of dressing. <laughs> oh,
1: I want to hear that. Tell me the that Grand story.
2: Well, I had already, uh, my mother made my clothes, and she was, she was very good seamstress uh, professional one so uh I'd been wearing the regular little flared skirts and ruffled blouses and the cowboy hat you know I was a, a young teenager but all of a sudden here I was like 16 and I think I'm covering up my assets with all this <laughs> too, <car>. much <laughs> yeah, too much fabric too much fabric And I didn't dress that way, like if I went out, I wore tight skirts and a sweater or whatever, but uh, so mother and I got our heads together and we began designing. Uh, Oh, they had rhinestone, I'm more covered up now, you know, than I ever (laughs) was then. But rhinestone straps and uh, sweetheart necks. Oh, wow. Not not plunging and not a lot of cleavage. Sexy. Just a little, a little sexy. <laughs> it's a little. And then they were tight skirts with the silk fringe and high heels and earrings. And I paved the way for Dolly Parton is what I did. Well, she took it to another level. Uh, she took it to, a, yeah, a whole new level. By doing all of that, I went to the Grand Ole Opry when they invited me Uh and I, I I designed a special dress, red and white, and it was so cute. And the little uh, halter neck, you know, rhinestones. So I got there and uh, rehearsed, I think. But then, time for the show, I had my guitar on and was standing in the wings, ready. I knew when I went on. So it was Ernest Tubbs' session. Her portion. He came around. He said, uh, "Are you Wonder Jackson?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Well, you're on next, honey. Right after this song." I said, "Okay, I'm ready." And he looked at me. He said, "Well, honey, you you can't go on the stage of the Opry like that." <laughs> and you know, I said, "Like what?" He said, "You can't show your shoulders on the Opry." Can't show my shoulders and uh <laughs> I said, Well, mister Tubbs, it's all that I brought with you know, to, to wear. wear, right. He said, Well, you got about two minutes to cover up or do something or you can Find can't a go sweater. <laughs> well, I guess it was in the fall or winter, but I had a little I'm sure fake leather. But you know, the leather looking coat with long fringe. So I had to put that on over my new red and white dress. And I sat, stood out there trying to sing, and I was nearly in tears. And behind me, the people were, I couldn't get their attention on me. I kept seeing, looking right off. And finally, I was able to turn around and here was the comedians on the show back there cutting up. We call that upstaging, yes, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and no artist wants, when you're singing, you don't want to be upstaged. So, But that's what was going on. So as soon as I sang my song, I lit out, found my daddy who traveled mm-hmm. with me, and I said, Daddy... Let's get out of here! I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> who who knew they were so conservative? You wouldn't know that. I knew they didn't have drums. You know, I right. was prepared for that, <laughs> but not for the rest. So not anyway. not
1: for a high necked uh, blouse and a, yeah. a skirt down to your ankles. Yeah, and
2: long sleeves. You know.
1: Right. So how did you get into the rockabilly uh, sound and and actually rock and roll? Because
2: what um, turned out to be rock and roll. What
1: turned out to be rock and bo- yeah. roll started as rockabilly. Turned out to be rock and roll, and in the nineteen fifties, when you got started in rock and roll, there really weren't women doing rock and roll. There were only a handful of men doing rock and roll, right? Yeah. So how did now. you how did you get started in rock and roll?
2: Well, it was something I thought I couldn't do, but when I worked with Elvis in fifty five and fifty six, and a little bit in fifty seven. But he was the one that talked to me about it, encouraged me, and convinced me that if, if I would just try it, I could sing it. In 1956, I recorded my first one. And it was kind of specially written for me because it was one line of country. If our love's the real thing, where's my wedding ring? And then it goes into rock. Well, I thought that you was a romance, and it goes on. So uh, that was my breakthrough song.
4: I gotta know if I love
3: One thing, I gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta know if our love the real thing, where is my wedding
2: ring? And I recorded it for uh, four, about four years. I did albums, I did singles, and the disc jockeys wouldn't play it. And so then, if the disc jockeys didn't play it, the people couldn't hear it. Right. If they couldn't hear it, they won't buy it, you know, they don't know about it. So um, the disc jockeys were that important to us. And they just uh, had, already had a hard time accepting Elvis doing this kind of wild stuff. They thought it was pretty wild. so they sure weren't going to help a, a woman. Oh, a, a little girl, you know, right. a girl, teenager, singing this stuff and with fringe, flying and high heels, and no, they, you know, not going to have that. So it took to 1960 for me to get my first rock and roll hit.
4: And what was that? Elvis's Song. Some. Y'all can't hear that, okay? You got that? people like to rock, some people like to roll. Moving and grooving, gonna satisfy my soul. Let's have a party. Woo! Let's have a party. Send them to the store, let's buy some more. Let's
1: Now, the name of your band was? The Party Timers. The Party
2: Timers. Uh-huh, That's yeah. a
1: great name for
2: a band. Yeah, I didn't know till later that Elvis had done that in his movie.
3: You guys want us to have a party? Sure. sure. Okay, KFC, let's go. Some people like to rock, some people like to roll, but moving and groove moving going to satisfy my soul
4: and have a party.
1: So you make the the sort of the first big hit, and then the radio finally played the song. And why do you think they played that song? Good question.
2: (laughs) I never thought about it. Yeah,
1: they just did all of a sudden. I think they said, she's not going to give up, is she? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Maybe. times were changing. Maybe things were getting a little more liberal towards the 60s. Well,
2: they had accepted the guys, you know, Elvis and Carl, and they even put Johnny Cash in that class. Elvis had had told me he predicted that Johnny Cash would be the biggest name in country music had ever seen, you know. I said, oh, I don't think so, Elvis. He's just copying you, you know, with the Tennessee, too. He said, oh, no, 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 you're wrong, but he's going to be huge. So I think Elvis had a sixth sense about things
1: i think he did he at one point he also said uh that um roy orbison had one of the best voices and of course you know there are a lot of people with great voices but he really admired his voice
3: yeah
2: Well, as he should have
3: i love you Eva
1: Great artists, um, I, th- I think you know there was a lot of collaboration going on then too, and a lot more exposure to um, other artists because it was everyone was touring
2: together. That that was it. Yeah, it was nothing for me to work with uh, four headliners, and they're all men, and one girl. We were just window dressing, you know. That's about all they thought of us as. What was it
1: like to tour with all the boys?
2: Well, I think any woman would kind of enjoy that. (laughs) Who wouldn't, right? Well, they were all just my buddies. Of course, I was young, and my daddy was with me. So, uh, yeah, I was like a little sister.
1: So in the early 1960s, you actually
2: won a a Grammy as well, right? I had a nomination. Nomination. A couple of nominations, which... You know, I was proud of that, (laughs) whether I won or not, but I've got those little plaques still up on my wall. I'm
1: proud of this. So you were able to sort of transition uh, between rock and country. Um, You you sang both throughout
2: your career, right?
1: Right, and then
2: I added gospel. That's the thing about my show. You know, if it's billed as a rock and roll show or venue, Occasion well I do mostly the rockabilly, but they always have I always have country in there, and I always have gospel, so people get an a, a idea of the whole thing that I do, you know, through the years. So sort
1: of fast forward a few years, and there's a resurgence in in rockabilly and. Um, Uh, A lot of folks are looking back and saying, you know, how did we get to where where we are? And you actually started doing some really interesting projects again um, in like uh, 2003. You collaborated with uh, Elvis uh, Costello.
4: Oh, it's crying time again. You're gonna leave me. I can see
2: that. I just, I kind of wait for somebody to come to me. I don't want to go out knocking on doors, you know, but if they're interested in recording me, then they can get in touch with me, and uh, that's what this company did. And so I was recording, and while we were rehearsing, uh, a man gentleman came in, and he, he said he watched us a while, and he said, Wanda. I play drums with Elvis Costello and uh, you know I think he would love to do a song with you and he's going to be out here next week doing a TV show and I said well great you know love to <laughs> so that's how that came about uh, and then uh, I was, was going to tell you right quick that uh all the interviews I started doing and with Elvis Costello and then people asked me about Elvis and it seemed like I was always talking about some one of the Elvises. <laughs> my husband would say, Oh no he said, I've got another Elvis in my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> who knew? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? More than there's more than one, right? Right. <laughs> But, yeah, Elvis Costello and I are still good friends.
1: Well, he was instrumental in helping you with your Rock uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, very much. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was just uh, very put out when he found out and realized that I wasn't a member of it. And I, I never thought that much about it. You know, I thought, well, I was never a superstar, and I didn't have a string of number one hits so I won't ever be in that Hall of Fame well he said you should be you were the first and he wrote a pretty stinging letter to the committee and told them I have a guitar that you guys are wanting for the rock hall but you won't get it until it hangs next to Wanda Jackson's. (laughs) And I think that kind of got things moving. And Bruce Springsteen chimed in, and uh, Cindy Lauper and other people.
5: Here to induct Wanda Jackson into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Roseanne Cash.
0: I asked Wanda what she wanted people to know most about her, and she said, number one, I can rock number two number two i was a lady and reputations are important and number three rock and roll and god are not mutually exclusive so wanda you are now up there with your buddies carl elvis jerry lee and johnny and among so many others of your peers and those who have followed you you are as wendell always introduces you the first lady of rock and roll and the queen of rockabilly and now A member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Wanda Jackson.
1: Well, and uh, you—you followed up the Elvis Costello project with a Jack White project. He called you as
2: well, right? He, right? He was one that called. Was I interested in uh, allowing him to produce a record on me for his? uh, third man label and again after I picked up the phone (laughs) off the floor I said yeah this is Wanda you know (laughs) he said this is Jack White I want to know if you're interested in recording for my company I said well Jack that's pretty important let me think about it okay yeah (laughs) I'd love to (laughs) So we got busy exchanging songs, and uh, it it was just a, a great great time that I had getting to know Jack and getting to work with him, and even tour with him. Uh, and we did television together, and he he was just he's just a crazy guy. I love him. <laughs> what was uh, what were some of the songs you did on that that album? Uh, the party ain't over. Yeah, that's what Jack wanted to call it. I said, I like that. Well, he had me doing cover songs, which is, is fine, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, when he arranges something, it's not at all like the original. It always sounds different, right? <laughs> right, it certainly does. So uh, He's a phenomenal producer. Oh, yeah, and so great. Usually, uh, I would think an entertainer, wouldn't make it as good a producer as someone who doesn't entertain, maybe, but, I mean, anyway, yeah, he uh, he knew exactly what he wanted in that performance from me, and I couldn't rest until I got it. I mean, he'd just keep plugging one more time and just push a little harder. Said, Jack, you're trying to get that 18-year-old girl out of me, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not there anymore. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, she's still in there. <laughs> We're gonna get her out." So uh, working with him was was great. I uh, I learned from him also, and the material was very interesting. He he called Bob Dylan, uh, who sounds like I'm name dropping, but he. He's kind of a fan of mine, and so he called him and said, Wanda's doing an album for me. What song of yours do you think she should do? And uh, he said, Bob, just without a moment's thought, said, Oh, Thunder on the Mountain, she's got to do that one. Jack took it and re, you know, we had to shorten it. Uh, Dylan's version was probably eleven minutes long. <laughs> we cut it down. Is very to, Dylan. To four, yeah, three and a half, and uh, he reworked some of the bridges, and then uh, I worked on bridges. I mean, some of the lyrics, and then I worked on some, so we got it more suited for me. Uh, And then we did, uh, I couldn't believe. He picked out um, Drinking Rum and Coca-Cola, an old Andrew Sisters song from World War II. And uh, I lived in California uh, when the war was over, you know, and that song just played a lot. And so I knew that song. And uh, I just loved it. And I said, I can't believe you want me to do this. I love it. (laughs) So we had a lot of fun. In he let me do three songs that I wanted to. (laughs) What were
1: the three that you picked?
2: One of Elvis's. I did a yodel song, Blue Yodel, Mm -hmm. number six, Jimmy Rogers. And uh, Teach Me Tonight, that was one I liked. So we did that one again.
1: Well, it was nice that you were able to pick a few songs that you, that you wanted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that was nice of him. <laughs> he's just that kind of guy, though. He, he's a
1: take-charge guy. Well, he, and everything he does is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. He, you know, I think he, so, too. He just is a great producer, and um, he has a way, like you said, of turning everything into something completely different. So it sounds new, even if it was old. He's going to add a new modern twist to
2: it. Yeah, yeah. And what a worker he is. We did a video uh, on Sundra on the mountain, and it it must have taken four hours and, and quite a few takes during that time. And that guy, he was all over the place on every one of them. You know, he didn't do the same thing always, but he was just... He was so much fun to work with. He'd come up behind me and bump me with his guitar. You know, we had a lot of back and forth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's, um, you know, he is also someone who really, he he really is a lover of music, you can tell. Yeah. He likes the history,
2: um, and uh, Mm -hmm. he really studied about it. Yeah, yeah. He does know it, that's for sure. And he can play every instrument. So you have a book coming out soon. Yes, I do, finally. <laughs> My fans have asked, when are you gonna put out a book of your life? It was finally the right time. Scott Beaumar is uh, writing with me.
1: Was it a nice collaboration to work with a writer?
2: It was with Scott. He made it so easy because I'd be, he'd asked me something to lead me in some direction. And I'd start talking, and that would remind me of something else, and I'd jump off on that. And finally, I said to Scott, I'm sorry, but I keep jumping off on other things. He said, that's all right. I said, I'll I'll straighten it all out later. The title of the book is uh, Every Night is Saturday Night, because that's the way it feels to me. I'm there to see the people have fun and hear the songs they want to hear and then the subtitle is a country girl's journey to the rock and roll hall of fame (laughs) that is a great title for a book isn't it though i i didn't think that up but i liked it very much i
1: think it really says a lot about you and and your career and you have so many wonderful stories to tell (laughs) that was such a great time period to to get started in the music business
2: yeah it was I I feel very fortunate Uh, I think I got the best years some of the best years that America ever offered to anybody I just so are we
1: going to hear some surprises if we go by the book are we going to are there some surprises in there about
2: your life probably (laughs) I bet there are um, not at liberty to say. <laughs> right.
1: Well, exactly. We, everyone has to go buy the book to find out a little more.
2: Yeah. Uh, Scott is a great writer, and uh, he took all my stories and my whole life, and got it in chronological order, and just wrote it so beautifully. Even I was turning the pages <laughs> like, it's my life, and I'm saying, how did he do this? Oh, that's great. Let me see what <laughs> It goes on and on, so I think we'll be i'll be very proud of it well i, I can't wait
1: to I can't wait to read it thank um
2: you. like i said uh when
1: we were back in the green room that you've been one of my uh music heroes oh. uh since uh since I was much younger, <laughs> and uh it, you know it's it's just an honor to to meet you and to meet you in person oh, well, and thank you sweetie. <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> Um, And, uh, you know, I just wanted to um, thank you for stopping by Diddy TV today. Um, And I just wanted to ask you one last question, which is, if you could give some advice to a young person starting in music today, what would your advice be?
2: Well, uh, Amy, things have changed so much from when I got started that I'm... I mean, you find talent everywhere, right? Right. You never know. I always sang because I loved it, but it didn't matter if it was for 20 people or 200. Uh, that You've got to have that love in you. So I kind of tell young people, if you can find anything else that rings your bell, you might should do it. But if entertaining and singing consumes you, then go for it and just make it happen. You might get a detour, whether it's college or you have to take a job somewhere. You've got your goals out there and you keep coming back to it. So um, I just wish them the best of luck. It's great to be able to make your living your whole life doing what you love.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming to the studio. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I Jackson.
2: Thank you.
4: Oh, well, a woman, soft, dirty man Been a trouble ever since me. Don't you let me catch your messing around that apple tree, oh yeah. Ever since the world began. Oh, ho, 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 ho. woman is a thorn in
0: the side of a man. Yeah, yeah. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only,